Hello, and welcome to On Air with Air Cargo World. I'm your host, Editor Karen Livingston. In Air Cargo World's most recent feature story, I spoke with airlines and freight forwarders about sustainability initiatives currently underway in the industry. In today's podcast, I'm joined by Neil Cloughley, founder and CEO of Faraday Aerospace, which is developing an aircraft that also looks forward to a more sustainable aviation industry. Neil, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for joining us today. Absolute pleasure, Karen. Happy to be on with you. Uh, to begin our conversation, can you tell me a bit about the origins of Faraday and the aircraft you're working to produce? Sure. Um, basically, the company's been going six years now. Uh, we're probably one of the longest-serving urban air mobility stroke regional air mobility uh, companies in the market today. And the origins for the actual aircraft itself uh, have about a 30-year history. So my father was working with joint wing technology in the military UAV space in the mid-80s. And a lot of the architecture was designed for heavy lift payload capability, taking off and landing in a short distance was for military requirement, um, primarily a naval requirement at the time. And uh, some of those uh, thoughts, designs, concepts didn't materialize in the long run. And after best part of 14 odd years in the commercial aircraft market, I decided that a lot of the legacy and a lot of the things that we started back in the day need to see the light of day now. So we started looking at where can we improve the uh, current market opportunity? Where can we use the technologies that are available now today with electric motors, batteries, et cetera, to potentially make certain routes and opportunities more economically viable, uh, but also most importantly, more sustainable uh, and ultimately quieter, hopefully as well. And, and pulling that all together into an asset specifically designed to be worked uh, as hard as possible. So. When you start to do that, what you actually create is a, a utility vehicle, a utility aircraft, which can not only do passengers, but also do freight and cargo as well, which is obviously a, a key, key part of any aircraft's lifespan now. Okay, thank you. And uh, speaking of these kind of hybrid or electric vehicles, there have been quite a few introduced in concept, at least over the years, uh, typically in the cargo drone space. What sets your aircraft concept apart from the other entrants into this space? Um, well, it's very, very different. Um, having been having come from and um, been involved in and around the military UAV space, um, there is an awful lot of, um, I won't call it naivety, but there is a, a certain expectation by many that think that drones are just going to be delivering to cities and packages and parcels. Now, anybody who's been involved in military UAV operations will know that that's not quite as simple as is made out to be. There are huge challenges, which is why you don't see an awful lot of military-grade UAVs over populated areas. So if you have anything carrying any form of mass that doesn't have a pilot, then the restrictions and the challenges to that vehicle are significant. So whilst a lot of people think that they're going to be able to just chuck a whole bunch of cargo into an unmanned air vehicle and fly it over people's heads, that is a little way off yet. And it's a little way off yet because there are simply too many unknowns at this moment in time about what can happen. When you have a pilot in charge, when the unknowns present themselves, you have a pilot that is able to react and deal with those challenges and act accordingly. Um, sometimes the machine on its own doesn't do what it should be doing. Now, I've seen that at first hand. Um, when we have a, a military UAV 
that is flying nicely around the field and it's doing all its test flights and then suddenly of its own accord it suddenly decides to head off in a completely different direction with no control whatsoever and you've lost it and it's gone and when you then see that aircraft basically crash land but glide very well down into a field some 25 miles away you start to understand some of the restrictions uh, that come with operating vehicles of this sort give me I've just got a large fire tanker going past from the airfield um, and and so basically with our aircraft what we have done is we've looked at some of the challenges of uh, the what will be a very big growing market which is home deliveries online deliveries um, major supermarkets retailers now delivering a lot more stuff to home what we're seeing is a volume of cargo delivery capability in the regional and city environment increasing significantly in the next few years i mean we're talking massive volume increase well of course that is part of the on-demand culture uh, i want it and i want it tomorrow now the key problem is with regard to traditional aircraft as they exist today not only is that the cost of operation is is a major hindrance to make it viable but also where do you operate into and, and how quiet and unintrusive is that we've seen with certain drone trials huge complaints about people about the noise that some of these things make akin to a demented mosquito and and that's a real problem because if you start getting people turn against what is uh, what is meant to be something very convenient, but the fact that the asset is annoying the hell out of everybody um, means it won't survive very long. So if we can use aircraft uh, differently in the sense that we can operate during times of the day and night, that ordinarily assets today cannot be used. So let's take, for example, London City Airport. London City Airport closes at 10.30 at night. That is a prime piece of aerospace real estate that no current existing air asset can operate into at nighttime. Now, if you can operate a substantial payload into that airfield in the middle of the night, right into the center of the city, then obviously that carries some huge and significant advantages. But of course, in order to do that, the aircraft has got to be quiet. Now, our aircraft was not only designed for short takeoff and landing and heavy payload capability, but it was also designed for quiet flight capability and that is a key factor it's the ability to have an asset that can fly in and out of an environment where the neighbors are not only going to be delighted to have the products that come with it but are also going to be delighted not to be woken up every time it arrives and leaves right and you mentioned the increasing importance of these regional operations as e-commerce demand also increases and as i understand it your aircraft is targeting these regional operations but in in your perspective, are there certain geographic regions or cargo missions for which it may be particularly well suited? Um, not particularly. I mean, the aircraft was designed very similar to the um, Sky Courier, obviously, which we've just seen just um, starting its test flight program. Our aircraft will carry three LD3 containers, which is obviously standard industrial um, commercial size, but we carry a heavier payload. So the aircraft will basically be able to carry up to five tons of payload. Um, now, in terms of geographic region, I mean, you think of all the market opportunities around the world where that could operate, where currently many places are restricted to land convoy or, or ground-based solutions where they would use air, easily they would use air, if they could have an asset that could get in and out of a small enough environment in terms of it doesn't have to have a pre-primed airfield runway, etc. But more importantly, is cost effective enough to use? 
And anybody who's been in the business for any length of time will know the margins that people operate on, not only on the cargo side, but the passenger side. And the margins are not huge, which means that every saving that you can make and every improvement you can make from a uh, operational cost basis uh, just helps the operation longer term. So from our perspective, we don't see any restriction or, or market uh, restriction in any way, shape, or form. We're looking at opportunities between regional to cities. We're looking at regions uh, across the continent in parts of Africa and Asia and, and environments where traditionally they just haven't had that air connectivity of goods and services where we believe we have an asset now that is a genuinely true utility vehicle. So an operator can have the option of, with the quick change combination of the seats, have passenger operations maybe during the day, and then QC out the seats, and now you've got the ability to take three LD3 containers and operate uh, throughout the night. So really, it, it's a case of creating the flying van effectively that you can use as many hours of the day as possible with as little intrusion as possible. So it sounds like flexibility is uh, is the key there. Um, I guess Absolutely. to uh, to change uh, topics a, a bit more toward the sustainability side. Uh, personally, I was a bit surprised when researching my feature story at how much momentum has persisted in sustainable aviation uh, despite the ongoing pandemic and the cost cutting measures involved there. Uh, how much interest is there yes. in the industry? right now for new aircraft types and has the pandemic changed the outlook of any companies you're speaking with on this topic absolutely it's huge um this with the greatest respect to many of the companies who are really struggling right now which is obviously awful and there's an awful lot of people who've lost their jobs which is a disaster for our industry but for this side of the sector there is light at the end of the tunnel because there is a massive uptake right now people have realized and they have seen for the first time in decades, if you've ever lived around Atlanta, Chicago, New York, Heathrow, any of these key major hubs, not in your lifetime have you ever seen the lack of air traffic as there's been. There are parts of the world that are seeing local scenery like the Himalayas and in India from cities that haven't seen them for 30 years because of the lack of pollution. So there is suddenly a massive increase in interest in sustainable future because people have seen a lack of traffic on the roads. They've, they've been able to walk through LA and breathe clean air. Um, this is a huge moment in time and there are companies that will recognize this and get ahead of it. And there will be those who will be left behind. Already we have had two major global airlines come to us now and said, yep, the game plan we had for the next two, three years has just been thrown out the window. It's gone. We now know that we have got to retrench. We're going to have to reduce our international operations. We have to increase our regional feeder capability. But more importantly, it's now quite clear that people want a cleaner, quieter, more sustainable future. That has been made abundantly apparent. Now, if we can do that and try and improve our operating economics at the same time and improve market penetration and capability, then surely this is something that we genuinely need to start looking at now quite seriously, because quite frankly, it is long past time that men of the old regional air cargo aircraft that we have blattering around, they've had their time. They are, they've had their moment in the sun. Many of them are very, very well used. 
we definitely now need the new. We need the uh, new capability in not only the asset class, but also the model, the business model. Companies need to start looking at what it is that they're going to do long term because the market's changing. And this is generational shift. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It's funny because in my day as a youngster growing up, things like the SR-71, the Space Shuttle, Concorde, the uh, F-117, just state-of-the-art things that would just make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. It was cool, it was fast, it was exciting. Interestingly now, with the new generation, the sort of millennial generation, the largest purchasers in the market who are doing online purchasing, who are far more digitally integrated than many of the previous generations, they want cleaner, they want more sustainable, they want to know the fact that the goods and the services that they're purchasing are being done in an ethical way, that are being used with the right materials, that are arriving ethically um, and more sustainably. So, as I say, there are many companies who are getting on to that right now. They're seeing the push by governments to a cleaner future. And those who get ahead of the curve now are going to be the ones who are going to be taking the market-leading positions in the future. Those who don't will be playing catch-up, and they will start losing market share to those who move quickly now. Yeah. And then, on, of course, on the other side of that, always when we're discussing new technologies, there are potential roadblocks to widespread adoption and uh, some hesitance from companies uh, as well. Uh, on the topic of roadblocks, do you see the current biofuel production capacity as an obstacle to widespread adoption of either biofuel or hybrid aircraft? Or are there other obstacles and how should we begin to address them? Ah, there's the million dollar question. Um, if you can manage to get that one answered, then do let me know what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, if you if you consider the regulatory environment, um, it's a challenge. I mean, if you if you take the likes of Boeing and you see the challenges that they've had with their recent issues, um, even a company of that size faces problems. So the regulator now is being fairly cautious. The regulators are sort of saying, well, my name is going to this piece of paper. If I sign off on something, that's my name and reputation going there. So of course, that is a challenge. In terms of what we have available and the technologies we have available, again, I think this is more about incremental change. This is about incremental steps forward. Uh, a lot of people will promise you the earth and they will say that there's going to be fully electric commercial flights next year. Um, let's not cut the chase about this, that's nonsense. Um, it's complete nonsense. And the reason it's nonsense is because they haven't even written the full regulations yet to what happens to a full electric passenger aircraft uh, and the people going on board. So let's be real here. But what we can be real about is that these technologies work. We can be real about the fact that we're seeing demonstration flights and prototyping with some of these technologies which prove they work. But what we're now going to see is now that step change move. So we're seeing a greater uptake in sustainable aviation fuels. We're seeing new ways to produce that fuel. Uh, and if we can find a way that can actually have that fuel capability and just gradually increase that over time, then great. Is it going to be a major hindrance right now? Well, of course, cost. Um, sustainable fuel is, is more expensive than Jet A. So the quicker we can get that cost base down, then that will be great. The faster we can grow the production rate, fabulous. But this isn't going to be a sort of overnight change. And a lot of people who think that we're just going to have this instant switch, it's just not going to happen. But what we're talking about here is a gradual change now over the next three to five years 
where you're going to start to see these technologies starting to appear, be demonstrated, be flight proven, and eventually certified. And those aircraft are then going to be the ones that lead the way. So as governments start to then lean heavier on what we call the dirty side of the industry, those who are on the cleaner side will start to get some interesting perks and opportunities coming forward. So yeah, without doubt, there are some roadblocks. Um, the biggest roadblocks will generally come when people rush into something. Uh, we've seen that before in the past. History in aerospace teaches us very, very clearly that if you rush into something just because a company's got a lot of money and they throw something at it and they think it's a good idea and it goes wrong, it can put that industry and sector back by many, many, many years, even decades, as we saw with helicopters in cities from the 77 Pan Am building crash. So I think that if we can make sure that there aren't anybody doing stupid things like trying to take a uh, one and a half ton EV toll drone and dropping it right in the middle of a city, which would probably put the industry back sort of 20 odd years if something happened to that. We need to just start bringing in these incremental step changes. We need to start expanding the networks. We need to look at our UTM network. We need to look at how we can uh, integrate facilities between ground-based logistics, so say electric ground for the last final mile, and whatever footprint they have in terms of land space that could potentially integrate an air asset of some sort. So we're sort of talking of a scenario where you find something like an Amazon Air or a FedEx aircraft arrives at a, a hub airport, a 767 size aircraft. The payload is then taken off, broken down into 20 odd Bihar aircraft like ours, where the, air, the products then go much closer to people's homes into local airfields. And then they get picked up by autonomous electric ground vehicles and arriving on people's doorsteps the following morning. Things like that, those models will start appearing uh, and I think it's going to start appearing a lot quicker than people realize. Um, but of course, regulations are the key things we've got to abide by, which means that let's use the technologies and the infrastructure that we know are easy to work with and adapt. And then the slightly more radical programs and the, the, uh, the, the more hopeful ambitions for the future, if you like, those are the ones that are going to take just a little bit longer for us to work through all the nuts and bolts as to how we can do that safely. Well, thank you. It's it's great to hear that uh, their op optimism is persisting in the industry, certainly. Uh, well, thank you so much for sharing your perspective today, Neil, and thanks again for joining us. Absolute pleasure. It's, uh, it's a very, very exciting time. We're seeing an uptake like we haven't seen for, for certainly we haven't seen the last six years. And I think really now a lot of the cargo operators should now be thinking of the bigger plan of how do we help expand the regional network to start integrating with what is clearly a growing market um, from the international point-to-point -point market to how do we get that out locally. It's, uh, it's gonna be a very, very exciting period. Great, looking forward to it. <laughs> well, thank you to our listeners for joining us for this episode of On Air with Air Cargo World. You can download and listen to this podcast and other episodes at aircargoworld.com and on iTunes and Spotify.